Thanks for listening to The Leader. And before we start, thanks to the Publisher Podcast Awards, who have just shortlisted us in their Best News and Current Affairs category. They're following The Leader, and you can too by subscribing through your podcast provider. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. This is the inside story of how Harry defied the Queen to say he and Meghan are quitting the royal family. What was clear, and very clear, is that she made that she told Harry that she did she did not want him going public about any of these possible future plans until they'd been fully discussed. Well, he did. Our royal editor Robert Jobson on the timeline that led to an historic announcement and the earthquake it sent through Buckingham Palace. Also, the presence of Meghan Markle, the Duchess of Sussex, in the equation is clearly a catalyst for something that's been very dramatic. But I don't think it's fair to say he's been led by his wife. Standard columnist and senior editor of The Economist, Anne McElvoy, speaks to the leader about her meeting with Meghan last year. Were there any signs of what was to come? And... Meghan has been discussing the move with her celebrity friends, uh, people like George Clooney, Oprah Winfrey, they've been very critical about the kind of treatment to, that Meghan and Harry have had at the hands of the, the British media. From LA, our US correspondent David Gardner on how the couple appear to be planning to build a base and perhaps a business in Hollywood. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, what really happened behind the Buckingham Palace gates? This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reid, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Around two hours after Harry and Meghan released their carefully worded, seven-line-long bombshell statement, Buckingham Palace slipped out its own. Discussions with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex are at an early stage, it said. We understand their desire to take a different approach, but these are complicated issues that will take time to work through. That's it. That's the statement. Our editorial column thinks it says enough. How very sad. Harry and Meghan had so much to contribute to the royal family. 
They brought an informality and a modernity to an ancient institution that has struggled with both. That is why it is such a tragedy to see this week's fiasco. For this is, first and foremost, the tale of a family falling apart. Two brothers who grew up without a mother but now barely talk to each other. A father and son unable to get on. A grandmother forced to expel her son before Christmas and now watching her favoured grandson expel himself in the new year. Is it too late to rescue the situation? For the sake of the family themselves and the country, we hope not. The fact is that Harry and Meghan speak to a younger, more diverse and more global audience in a way that no other member of the family will ever manage. Their goal is to be a living example of the slimmed-down monarchy the 21st century demands. Have they gone about it in the best way? Clearly not. Should we help them get it right? Absolutely. We must. Our royal editor, Robert Jobson's out of the newsroom where he's been speaking to palace sources to piece together the events leading up to this and the royal family's reaction. You could read his exclusive report in the Evening Standard and online. And he joins me now. Robert, first of all, the Sussex's announcement seemed to come out of the blue and then there was that very short statement from Buckingham Palace. But was this really a surprise? No, I mean, I don't think that they came. it came as a complete surprise to Buckingham Palace as... That's, that statement suggested, and it was quite blunt and to the point um, and put them in their place. But our understanding at the standard is that the, the, the Duke of Sussex contacted his father about spending more time in Canada and America before Christmas and was told he needed to come up with a properly thought-through plan. Harry then sent a, a draft proposal about his future role to um, his father early in the new year, but again was informed that this needed to be thought through and it was a very complex um, issue, which of course it is, particularly over the funding element of, of all this. But Harry, who's a bit of a, a, a hothead when it comes to these things, asked for a meeting with the Queen. She agreed, but said that she wanted him to thrash this all out with his father before discussing it with her. Um, and that planned meeting didn't actually go ahead. But what was clear... And very clear is that she made that she told Harry that she did she did not want him going public about any of these possible future plans until they'd been fully discussed. Well, he did. He, he completely defied the Queen uh, and went ahead with it. I mean, is it even possible to resign effectively from the royal family because of those issues that you've raised there? Well, it is possible that they can resign or step back from the royal family. The Duke of Edinburgh retired after nearly 70 years of service. Um, the the Duke of York was effectively told to step back because of the Epstein um, scandal. And the and we've had the, the, the king, of course, Edward VIII, who quit, has abdicated over his relationship with not being able to marry the woman he loved. And so he abdicated all responsibilities. But they, all of them have kept their title, the Royal Highness. Um, what is complicated here, I think, is the suggestion that... Um, Harry and, and Meghan believe they can have commercial, fund themselves commercially, but of course that may well involve, and has to involve, cashing in on the brand of the royal family, which is not really permitted. Because Harry seems to have just gone ahead and done this, 
What do you think his relationship is like with the royal family, particularly with the Queen, who you, you've said he's effectively defied? Well, until now, very good. But on the, that's as a grandmother, but as a monarch, to, to defy what the monarch um, has stipulated uh, not to go public is he's, he's, he's not only reckless and rude, it's dangerous in terms of the precedent he's set. And it seems to me that he, he he's forcing um, the palace into a position... Um, and he's going to do what he wants to do anyway. And, um, you know, this is actually very damaging in terms of the impact it's going to have upon the, the institution of the monarchy, because it seems now that people willy-nilly can just walk away should they choose to. I am interested in the, the timing of this being released. It's also come out on Kate's birthday. That must have been a consideration when Harry and Meghan were about to release this. They knew what day it was coming out. Well, it's not clear exactly when they were going to release it. Of course, there was a, a, a some newspaper broke a story and maybe that was what forced their um, arm. Um, but the reality is it doesn't look good that it's taken place on Kate's birthday. We know that there's been an awful lot of tension and difficulty between them and I don't think it's um, wrong that a lot of people have reported the story that, that you know that was made up by the tabloids or whatever but no there has been extreme close tension between the two the two brothers the sussexes and the cambridges and it's a little insulting if it had been planned that it came out when it did but the feeling the, the feeling here is that the, the actually that the the problem is that they did not finish the consultation and decided to take the nuclear option which is we're going to do this whether you like it or not uh, there's been millions of pounds spent, not least on the royal wedding itself. And a lot of people are going to be extremely disappointed that their expectations of this couple have been dashed. Um, and really, um, a lot of people would be sad to see Harry go because, you know, I can't see him being the same, getting the same level of star treatment and the star feelings that, uh, and empathy that people have towards him if... He wants to have his cake and eat it. Next. I think it went south very quickly after the birth of her baby when she found that the requirements of her and the strains on her and on Harry were those that she did not find at all enjoyable. Anne McElvoy speaks to the leader about the pressure on Meghan. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. There's been a lot of media speculation about the Duchess of Sussex's role in this decision. Well, our columnist and Economist senior editor Anne McElvoy has written about that in The Standard. And Anne, you met with Meghan relatively recently. Did she strike you as a rebel desperate to escape the clutches of the royal family? No, she certainly didn't. I met uh, with Meghan Markle to host a panel. This was International Women's Day last year, so less than a year ago in March, 
She was just about to give birth. She was very heavily pregnant. The impression at that point was that she wanted to engage. She certainly had a handler with her in the form of Lord Guite, who had been a private secretary for the Queen many years, is now back uh, alongside the Queen at this time of crisis. But I didn't get the impression that she was under any pressure from an onerous institution. I think it went south very quickly after the birth of her baby when she found that the requirements of her and the strains on her and on Harry and the expectations around this young family and her role were those that she did not find at all enjoyable. Do you think, as other commentators have suggested, that Meghan is the one who's driven this? Has Harry been pulled away by the royal family by his wife? Put it another way. If Meghan Markle hadn't come on the scene and Harry had married some nice Sloan from a landed estate somewhere in the south of England, I don't think we would be in this state of affairs. So to that extent, the presence of Meghan Markle, the Duchess of Sussex in the equation, is clearly a catalyst for something that's been very dramatic. But I don't think it's fair to say he's been led by his wife. I mean, he is a man now of a, of a certain age. He's not very, very young. He's in early midlife. And also, if people are led or influenced by their partners, by their spouses, it tends to be because at some level they want to be, which is why they married them, unless there was any sign that the relationship was unhappy. And there isn't a sign, I think, that he's being manipulated. So I think there's an element of sexism in that charge. She's clearly a strong character. I hear she said to me, she saw feminism as so important. She talked about the baby having the embryonic kickings of feminism in her womb. And I said, oh, you know, how is uh, Harry around that? And she said, oh, he's fully on board. And then she made a joke about, well, he's married to me, so he has to be. And I think there was an element there that she's saying, my views do matter. Uh, My husband shares them and he knows what he was getting into when he got married. But I think you can look at it from her perspective as well as saying that he was dragged into it. You've written in your column about how the royal family was already in crisis mode because of the fallout from Prince Andrew. Is this going to make things worse for them, particularly in terms of public perception? I think initially they are in crisis, aren't they? I was also making the comparison in the column. They're like the Labour Party. They're in a crisis, but they find it very hard to publicly acknowledge that and to act quickly enough to address it. It's a slow-moving institution, which is in part a reason for its longevity, but it does challenge it, as we saw after the, the death of Harry's mother, of Princess Diana, when things really go wrong very fast. And in the modern world, the vectors of that through social media and indeed through digital media uh, cause great pressures to arise very fast. I think that what we'll see is a slimmed-down monarchy. I think we will find that a slimmed-down royal family comes under strain because there will be fewer people to simply be present, to go around the country, to open the community centres, to go and do the boring bits of slog that royals have to do. And, of course, if um, Meghan and Harry are going to try and fund themselves privately or independently, as they've said, they're not going to be doing those hospital trips, are they? They're going to be looking at the, the, the brand of Meghan and Harry, I suppose. I think the brand of Harry and Meghan is global. They've always been more comfortable on the international stage. I think they like the London art scene and certainly they've been happy to do aspects of charity. I hope that Harry, and was advocating in the column, for Harry to hang on to that link, particularly to veterans and to the military, which is something I think we push to the side in our society. Given that we are entangled in world affairs, we have been involved in military interventions, we could be involved in others in the future. I do think that having a royal who has served, served at a high level, taken risks himself in Afghanistan, and has a character that works well 
in those communities, I think it would be a great shame if he only ends up, should we say, uh, preaching about climate change at, at Davos. As important as that might be, I think there are others who can do that. So I hope he hangs on to that little bit of the grit in the oyster that, that he provided. I don't think that we'll see them out and about across the UK. That's why they're stepping back. They don't want to have that expectation. Great, says Prince William, probably through gritted teeth. More of that for me, I guess, or for Prince Charles. Uh, it certainly needs thinking through. I think we'll see more of the Sussexes doing what they want to do. Of course, the question then arises, why are they keeping the title at all? You can read Anne's column in the paper or at standard.co.uk slash comment. In it, she also writes about how a future series of The Crown on Netflix might be tempted by the storyline, but one of that show's producers says there are no plans to do a modern-day version of the series. I doubt we'll ever go as far into present day. I think we'll probably, you know, um, we won't travel into the present day. That was Suzanne Mackey speaking at a BAFTA event in L.A. last night. And that city, the home of Hollywood, may be where Harry and Meghan are heading. Our U.S. correspondent David Gardner is there. And David, the talk's been about the couple making a home in Canada. Why is L.A. now on the radar? In many ways, Los Angeles makes a lot of sense for Meghan in particular. It's where she was raised and it's where she's most comfortable in a way that she's never going to be as comfortable in London. Will the city welcome them? Yes, of course. Uh, with open arms. They will be the jewel in the crown of that celebrity culture. Every door will be open to them. Um, If they want to raise money, if they want to work in the States, everyone will want to work with them. Have there been any other outside influences on them? There are reports in the US media that Meghan has been discussing the move with her celebrity friends, uh, people like George Clooney, Oprah Winfrey. They've been very critical about the kind of treatment that Meghan and Harry have had at the hands of the the British media, and they may well suggest that she would be receiving a kinder treatment in the United States. Who's going to pay for security for them? When they travel at the moment, the royal family takes care of that. But if they travel as private people, as it sounds like they're going to, then they will have to pick up that tab themselves, which may be substantial. You may remember that Princess Diana was said to be looking for a home in the Los Angeles area herself in the months before her death trying to escape the, the scrutiny of the media in the UK. And on the question of security, there are people today who suggest that if Diana had the royal family security in Paris in 1997, she may well be with us still today. And that's The Leader. You can subscribe, comment and rate us through your podcast provider. We're back at 4pm tomorrow.